0: We're
1: listening to Nightlight. Hi and welcome to Nightlight. Well, as I promised on last week's show, we have with us on the program today Jonathan Fuzesi. You heard some of Jonathan's story, first of all, from Joseph, his dad, when he was with us on the show some weeks ago. And then on the last program, Jonathan personally gave an introduction to two of his recent songs, produced in his home studio in Miami, Florida, which is where he's speaking to us now over WhatsApp. Welcome to Nightlight, Jonathan.
0: We have a guest tonight on Nightlight.
1: Jonathan, I've been so looking forward to connecting with you today and hearing more about your amazing life journey. First, as a musical missionary kid and then embarking on a very successful career in the secular music world, and now returning to your first love of writing and producing songs solely for the Lord. Look, why don't we start the show with one of your songs, and this is one of my favorites, Did You Know? Tell us about that one.
2: Yeah, so this song, Do You Know, it was incredible, you know, so some songs, Like, and they could be years in the making, you know, because it's funny, too, how if you read the Bible, God took years to to mold some people, and it took years, you know? Right. And uh, sometimes it's like that with songs. I had this song, like, years ago. I was talking to a friend. Back then, I was signed as an artist to a commercial record label, a big record label, and I was, you know, doing commercial pop music. But I I was talking to an ex-missionary friend of mine that was visiting, and I said, you know... I want to start writing music for the lord you know again like songs like and the chorus just came out of my mouth it was do you know where you're going it just came out and i was like like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so wow that song was born years ago so i i just recently finished the song it was like sitting on a hard drive for almost 10 years the last couple years that's what i've been dedicating to finishing these songs and i like i said simon i have to repeat it again these songs were not written by me. They're, they're gifts from God. I'm telling you, because I've sat down with big songwriters to write music. Where you sit down in a group of people and you say, like, these songs just blurted out of my mouth. Wow. So, so here's that song. It's called Do You Know?
3: Got the devil looking right at me, feeding me the same old story. Try not to get a hold of me, cause he knows I'm found and bound for glory. I was living in a certainty, another kind of reality, yeah. I was blind, but now I see. Only wish I would sooner.
0: one of you to be soldiers in the army of the one true living God. Let me ask you something, do you got what it takes to carry your cross every day and follow Jesus? Sir, yes, sir. Is he not worthy of you? Sir, yes, sir. Tomorrow's not guaranteed for anybody. When you go to bed at night, ask yourself, do you know where you're going when you die?
1: That's such an awesome song. I just love the part with the army sergeant at the end. It gives me the goosebumps every time I hear it. Is that you doing that part?
2: It's funny that you ask about that because that's a whole little story uh, in itself. But that's the amazing thing, Simon, about music. And, you know, it's like the old movie, The Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. I don't know if you saw that movie, The Field of Dreams, but there's a There's a cool like anecdote about building it and they will come. Right. And so it's the same in the the spirit. If you build it, God will inspire you. (laughs) So I was here with a friend and uh, he's a, a really sweet brother in the Lord that I met here in Miami. Great musician, singer, very creative guy, connected. And, and we were hanging out here and we he were listening to the song and I told them, you know, I see this like army sergeant telling people like when they prep you to go into the Marines or the, or the army. And I, and I was like, I was going to try to do it, but I was like, Hey, why don't you try to do it? And all I got to tell you is I freaked out in the middle because my eyes opened up and I looked over at him. And he was possessed, Simon. Like he, it was like he was possessed. It scared me. It was like, I was like, I was looking at an army sergeant, he, his facial expression, everything That That's what's recorded. That exact thing is what we recorded right there, that moment. So when you're hearing that, you can, you can remember that, that little story. Our mission here
0: today is to train every single last one of you to be soldiers in the army of the one true living God. Let me ask you something. Do you got what it takes to carry your cross every day and follow Jesus? Sir, yes, sir. Is he not worthy of you? Sir, yes, sir. Tomorrow's not guaranteed for anybody. When you go to bed at night, ask yourself, do you know where you're going when you die?
1: And Jonathan, that guitar solo, also at the end. Wow, that's
2: Something like the guitar at the end of Hotel California or something, it just, it just takes off. You, you know, Simon, uh, it's so awesome for me to talk about these things because music has been my life, and there's so many things that people don't know that go on behind the scenes, but you know, it's funny because the guy who plays that solo, a lot of times, you know, uh, how should I say this, you know, a lot of times you think you're going to work with people that are, are just like you, you know, believers just like you, and love Jesus just like you, and, and they not necessarily haven't arrived at that point, you know, they're, they're still kind of in a in a position where, you know, they, they're, they're in limbo, you know. But the amazing thing is God uses people like us to minister to those people. Yes. So the guy who recorded that solo, I mean, he's a sweet guy, uh, an amazing guitar player from Venezuela. And and I told him, you know, he's like an old rocker. I mean, this guy's a rocker. You know, when I say rocker, I mean, like, forget jazz, forget Forget any of that stuff. This guy is a rocker. <laughs> you know? And I told him, I said, Alex, you know what? I want an epic solo on this. Like one of those kind of solos you would hear in a group like Scorpions. Did you ever hear of that band Scorpions? No. They're from Germany, but I'm sure a lot of people that will, you know, know know the band. But anyways, like those oldest epic solos. He goes to me, okay. And and that's kind of literally what he gave me. <laughs> you know, every time I hear it, I'm like,
3: yeah.
2: Solos, guitar shows. I don't know if anybody's noticed nowadays, but in music today, you don't hear a lot of guitar stuff anymore in popular music. It's true. It, you know, it used to be all about the bands and the guitars, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, you know, everything was guitar. Tell me a guitar player today of a band today that you know of, like, you know, like even Jeremy Spencer, the guy you were talking about earlier with Fleetwood Mac, or, you know, there's so many you could name, you know, Eric Clapton, you know, but... Nowadays, in the the new generation of music, there really isn't like those type of, and if they are, they're they're not the popular ones. They're the indie kind of projects, you know, something that's gotten lost, the guitar solos, the epic guitar solos.
0: I feel all right when I'm listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight.
1: Jonathan, your dad sent me a compilation of clips of you performing with different bands that you've been with during your career. And I see you playing both the guitar, also the keyboard. What's the main instrument that you play?
2: Well, Simon, that's that's also a great, interesting question. Because, look, for example, you know, I play guitar and I, I've been playing my whole life. I I don't know if you know, but I lost a quarter of my finger, my left index, my my, my pointer finger, what they call you. I think it's your index finger. Is that what the, you... What would be the first finger on your hand? Yeah, your
1: index finger, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. but I lost I lost it in an accident at an airport. I was with my dad, and we were here in Miami. I was a kid, and I, I was playing on a luggage belt in the airport, those luggage belts, and it bit, it bit off a quarter of my finger. Ouch! And my dad, I remember he told me this, but he was very sad because he wanted me to be a musician like him. My dad plays guitar too, and harmonica, and... And I think he felt like it was over, like I wasn't going to be able to. But it goes to show you, you know, overcoming disabilities. Right. That people overcome all kinds of things. And so let's just say I play guitar. I'm a good rhythm guitar player, probably always wanted to be like my buddy and play those epic solos. But due to my my disability, I probably w- won't be that kind of guitar player, if that makes any sense. right? But I, I'm really an acoustic accompaniment kind of guitar player, rhythm guitar player, what I would call. And yeah, I play a little piano too. I learned all that stuff during my travels and missionaries. Like most of the stuff I learned was taught by other musician missionaries that I met. And I would say, hey, how do you do that? And they would say, hey, you just do this. And I'll be like, wow. And then, you know, I was brought up in music. So like just surrounded by, you know, somebody threw me in a studio in Puerto Rico. I was eight years old and somebody said, hey, we need a kid's voice uh, for this song. Do you want to try it out? And they threw me in the studio with some headphones and and it turns out I could sing.
1: Was that the first time you realized that you could sing?
2: Well, somebody told me I could sing or somebody, I guess, because there's a kid, I'm talking like eight years old, maybe seven, eight. You don't really analyze a lot of those things. They say, hey, go in there and sing. But as I got older, I started to realize, yeah, I guess I can sing because... Everybody keeps asking me to sing. <laughs> so uh, I recorded a lot of kids stuff when I was a kid during a missionary times. I, I, it was something that was always a part of me. I never got away from it no matter where I was. I mean, I, I've been living off music, Simon. I mean, even busking me and my dad survived because I would take a guitar and go into restaurants and sing. I, I remember I was I was shy. I was like hard for me. I was like, my dad would be like, okay, go, come on. You know, but I love doing it too. It was like it it was a beautiful way to survive, support yourself through music. I mean, I always tell people, as a musician, you could probably drop you anywhere in the world and you could survive. You wouldn't be living in the laps of luxury because that's why the 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 term "starving musician" exists. (laughs) I don't know if if you've ever heard that term, but there's a term called "starving musician." (laughs) Right. Because a lot of people don't know that being a musician is a hard life. It's a very it's rough road and you have two options you can make it big and be in a big rock band like led zeppelin bon jovi whoever we could go on and you you got lucky and we were in a band and made it big and famous or you're just out there beating the streets like so many you know playing in bars and pubs recording from your house like i do it's a beautiful road, but it's also a very tough road. And I and I know a lot of musicians out there that are listening or that I know because a few wrote to me after this your last interview. I I heard back from a, some very dear musicians that Jerry Palladino wrote me and stuff. And oh, good. Those guys can tell you. They you know a lot of them could tell you that. The road of the musician is a tough road.
3: <laughs> so, right.
2: But it's also beautiful. And, and and here's a little thing to analyze, Simon. You know, you could make it big as a musician, right? And have all the money and success. But guess what? Now you're dealing with God knows what, depression, problems. You know, I mean, I could name so many famous rich people that they have so many problems. They died of drugs, 16 drugs in, in their in their bodies. You know, So, you know, I, I don't look at that so much. I think success is 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 really, it, it comes from a different place, not necessarily fame and money.
0: It's nightlife. What a delight.
1: Jonathan, before we move on to hear about some of the highlights of your secular music career, what are some of the happiest memories you have of your childhood?
2: Oh, Simon, I mean, my happiest memories were as a child growing up. I mean, I look back now and you know, I always tell, I look at kids now and I say, Guys, enjoy it, love it, you know, play, enjoy it, because life gets tougher as you get older. Yes, it does. But my my childhood was amazing. I look back, and you don't understand how blessed I feel, Simon, to have been brought up. And it was tough. I mean, it was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I remember traveling in in cargo planes, buses, boats, any kind of thing that moves, (laughs) even carriages, horse-pulled buggies, <laughs> and like I said, I don't know if you guys heard of the interview you did with my dad, which by the way, you know, it's a pretty unique crazy story, but I even tell my dad, I, I, I tell my dad today, dad, thank you, you know, the life I got to live, and now that I'm 48 years old, I get to look back a little bit, now I'm still going, you know, you start pushing half a century, it's awesome, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm making it through, so you get to look back too and say, wow, you know, reflect a lot, so thanks to my childhood and i am the person i am today because of what i had as a child and i guarantee you it wasn't easy there's a lot of tough stories i could tell you where it was like wow but you know what if you ask me and i always tell this to people would you do it again i would say i wouldn't even think about it i would say absolutely
3: Something's overcome me. A flame inside you see Don't have to be a rich man To help a friend in need So I'll try and I'll pray Every day come with me I won't break, gonna take a chance Gonna take my life I won't lay it down I will share his love And spread it all around Change my ways I won't tell no lies my neighbor gonna feed the poor Forgive my brother And listen to the Lord this time I finally found my way I stepped into the world outside Traveled land and sea So messed up He can take it from me Violence, people dying in the streets. Is there no end to this insanity? So just getting me Jesus. it all around change my ways i won't tell no lies gonna love my name.
1: And that's a song called New Day Dawning by our guest on Nightlight today, Jonathan Fuzese. He was somewhat reluctant to let me play these songs because, believe it or not, they're works in progress and not the final product. But he said if they have the spirit, then that's the most important thing. And I'm sure you agree, they surely do have the spirit. And I'm just so happy to be able to share them with you on the program today.
0: Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight. Shining God's love light to the world.
1: Jonathan, so how did the opportunity come for you to make it big in the secular music world to where you were rubbing shoulders with some of the most famous artists and producers in Latin America and in the USA? How did that come about?
2: Well, you know, Simon, I was an active missionary. When I say active, I, I never feel like I left being a missionary. I, I've always never left my relationship with, with God. I, but let's just say like the active duty, like when you're when you're in the military, speaking of the military. Right. You're in the military and you go on active duty. So I was doing missionary work in Mexico. And then I, I decided to come and live with my dad here in Miami and work with him. He was still doing missionary work here in Miami. And then he went to Columbia and I was back and forth from Miami and Columbia. You know, we were, we were doing, you know, still ministering, still work, you know, still doing music. Right. You know, there's an old verse in the Bible. It says he gave them the desires of their heart, but sent leanness to their souls. So what I'm getting at is I actually went to pursue a career in the industrial music scene. So I I asked the Lord one night, I prayed, I got on my hands and knees. I said, Lord, I want a record deal. I want to work with the top producers. I want to get a record deal. I want to be signed. And surely enough, I got that wish. Even how that happened was crazy because, I don't know, it's very hard to get a record deal. It's not the easiest thing in the world. It's You have to be at the right place at the right time with the right people in the right moment of time. And all those cards just lined up for me in a matter of a few months. It was like, phone call here. Hey, we want you to come out to L.A. What? Really? Okay. Sure. I was, you know, 22, maybe 23 years old. Here I am flying out to LA to meet some big producers out there. Next thing I know, I'm signed to a big record label, a record label called BMG. And, uh, you know, I'm working on my first project. In a matter of a few months, I was signed to a major record label and reality doing music I don't really like. Because that's what happens. But you sell a piece of your soul for like something. And, and it, sometimes it's not even you. It's just an opportunity. Hey, we need a, a guy like you that can sing, that has a, it sings in English and Spanish. Uh, but you're going to have to do this kind of music, not the music you like. Right. You know, okay. All right, I'll do it because it's an opportunity. And then down the road, you know, you learn. The amazing thing about Simon, is it's all a learning process. I mean, I look back now and I'm like, wow. I went through all that to just... Be where I am today, you know. So, so in the midst of all that, basically, to make a long story short, I, I quit the group. So to put it to you in perspective, we were sitting down. I remember this was in 1999. I was sitting down with the president of RCA Records, which is wow. like to give you an example, the record label that signed Elvis Presley. You know, like that's their reputation. Right. And I'm sitting down with the, the president of the company having a drink at this fancy hotel. So the president is telling me, uh, you know, here at RCA, we like to create a family environment. He's like selling me the company. And I'm thinking, holy cow. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking, here I got this. The, I mean, this guy had just signed Christine Aguilera. I mean, huge artist. Like, and I realized, Simon. That I will never be in this position again. This is as good as it gets when it, when it comes to like your dream opportunity in the music business. Yes. You're talking about a multi-million dollar deal. I walked out on the biggest deal in my life, and it was a big step for me, you know. And I started from scratch again, producing vocals, singing background vocals, producing albums, records for other artists, and then I got signed again. I did another project called Area 305, based out of Miami, and that was signed also by a huge record label called Univision. And that's another thing, and I mean, I'm sure you know this, working with people sometimes can be very hard. And being in a band is like being with four wives, or five wives, it's like <laughs> five relationships. It, it, it's something so special that people don't understand. There's a reason why a lot of the big bands break up. They always break up because it's, it's very complicated, it's a very emotional thing. So here I am again in the same scenario, In a band with people that I'm like, wow, you know, this I'm not happy. Right. I mean, and I'm talking about with this band, we had number one single in the U.S., uh, Grammy nomination, 2004 Grammy nomination, Billboard number one, Billboard Awards. Wow. You know, we were on the way to really becoming a household name. You know, to develop a band and a group or a project, it takes anywhere between five to ten years You know, so we were already in like our second or third year. We're already Grammy nomination. So in a few more years, we would have been a household name. And once again, I I made the decision to back away. I walked away from it all. And I went from taking pictures with some of the biggest artists at the Grammys to working at a music store, uh, a store here called Guitar Center. God bless you. And once again, I'm going to pursue my happiness. And I realized that God gave me the, again, the desires of my heart, but sent leanness to my soul. I was, I felt lean, you know, I felt just wrong, you know? So I walked away again. And imagine walking away from all that and starting from scratch again. I, I'm working as a salesman as a, in the keyboard department. And you know what's amazing is like, I felt defeated and I felt beat up. And people would come in to the store to buy stuff. And they would ask me, hey, I've seen you somewhere before. And I'd be like, yeah, I used to be a part of this group, uh, Area 3 Five, because we were all over the TV and everything at that time, and and they would say, what are you doing here? And I would say, <laughs> I'm selling keyboards. Can I get you? A, can I get you a keyboard? <laughs> amazing. <laughs> you know, you know, it's amazing, Simon. Is I I I grew in this. Listen, you know, whatever that hand find it to do, do it with all that might. And I never, I became a top salesman there. I worked there for about a year and a half. Imagine, it was a good amount of time. I was there for a year and a half. I became a top salesman. I learned so much. What I thought was my defeat ended up really being something amazing. I learned because you had to learn about about MIDI, about stuff, about music, stuff that I never learned before. Right. So I had to actually learn a lot of stuff. It even made me a better engineer because nowadays you got to do a little bit of everything. All the guys can tell you that send you those songs. I'm sure they all have home studios and they're recording at home. Those days of going to a big studio in California and LA are over. Everything is done from your house now. And they used to have a term there, Simon, in guitar center called a lifer. And what that means is you're like the frustrated musician that went there to die because you couldn't (laughs) make it in the world as a musician. You're working at Guitar Center because you know what I'm saying? Because you have to have a special thing to work at at a store like that. You have to actually be somewhat of a musician. They don't want just like people that sell vacuum cleaners. They want like musician type type of people, you know. So they had a term there like you're a lifer. I mean, that means you're going to be here for 25 years just selling equipment and that's your life. I remember this one guy told me that and and it hit me so hard. It was like, wow, is that, is that really going to happen? But it was like just the devil talking to me. And I just said, I looked over at him and I said, I said, never, bro. I said, never. This this is what God wanted me for right now. Because I, I, like I said, I, it ended up being incredible. I learned a lot. I made a lot of contacts. Speaking of contacts, I'm selling one day there audio interfaces. I'm working in Pro Audio at the the music store. And this old uh, friend of mine that was a bass player that I met because of my years of working in the industry. And he comes in to buy an interface one day and and he's, hey, John, how you doing? And then he says to me, hey, out of the blue, he goes, you want to go on tour with Cheyenne? And for those who don't know who Cheyenne is, Cheyenne is like a huge artist in Latin America. I mean, probably one of the biggest in Latin America, I would say like as far as like people who who listen to Latin music and know the Latin culture, Cheyenne is a is like an icon. He's like just to put it to you in context, I've been playing with him for 14 years on and off because it's like a gig. It's not like a full-time job. When he goes out on tour, then you may work for a year to a year and a half, and then he'll take two years off, so you do other things. You know, It's not like a steady job, but I've been on and off working with Jayan for 14 years as a musician, as a background singer and a, an acoustic guitar player. I've never, Simon, I've never been to a show in 14 years that wasn't sold out. Wow. Sold out. I mean... I mean, it's just incredible. But but anyway, so this guy says to me, John, you want to go on tour with China? I just looked over and I'm like, what? <laughs> so from just like that, just like how you could be at the Grammys and then working at a music store, just from like working at a music store, just like that, I went out to do a world tour with a huge uh, Latin artist. <laughs>
1: Jonathan, your dad sent me a compilation of video clips of you performing with different groups throughout your life, starting with you as a nine-year-old with the kids singing group in Puerto Rico, and then progressing all the way up to more recently. And I'm going to include the link to that compilation on the platforms where I'm going to post this show. And it's a great visual supplement to this audio interview. I saw there, Jonathan, you performing with a band on what must have been one of the very big television shows in Latin America. Your dad even surprised you by coming on stage. I don't speak Spanish, but you were both obviously sharing about your background as a missionary, and they even showed pictures of you performing as a child. And I I thought it was great that you used such a big occasion to give a witness to everyone. Uh, tell us about that performance and also about the song that you sang at that international song competition in Chile.
2: Well, well, the the one you're talking about, the first one, is called "Sábado Gigante." That's like for another like anybody who lives from any of the southern hemisphere knows that show. It's like you're talking about the biggest show and and Saturdays that every Saturday for that show was really cool because they flew my dad from Columbia right on the show. I didn't even know he was coming. And so we're performing, you know, we're performing with the record label. Back then I was, I was still signed with the record label with the the second project I told you about the area 305 project. And uh, so they just flew my dad and it was awesome. My dad, Said some really nice, cool things about uh, us being a missionary, and it was a it was a nice little testimony. Yes, and uh and the other one you're talking about, the Vina del, uh, you're talking about the Vina del Mar, which is, I always say it, it was one of the most incredible times of my life. I'll tell you why. Uh, I wasn't an artist at the time. I was working as a vocal producer and as a, an, a, a, a background singer. And I was working for this big time producer at the time, you know, as an assistant. And I wasn't doing any artist stuff. But he, he decided, he wanted to like sign me. The, this producer wanted to sign me. But he said he didn't know if I was an artist, if I was a true artist. So he sent me, he sent me to this. To this place in Chile, in Chile, the South of South America, it's called Viña del Mar, which means vine by the sea, but it's a famous town in Chile, and they have a famous venue there, which any huge artist in the world has played there because it's like a uh, I don't know how to explain it but it's like this thing it's it's got this famous reputation even some of the biggest bands of all time have gone there to play you name it they've been there but the name of it is El Monstro de la Quinta Vergara I don't know what La Quinta Vergara means but I can tell you the first part is the monster the monster of the fifth something and this crowd has a reputation for booing people off stage. Like they will boo you off stage. If you can imagine what 35,000 people sounds like booing, it sounds like something out of gladiator. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty harsh sound. Gosh. So I was pretty scared. So he decided to send me to Viña del Mar and the song competition festival representing the United States. And really, I was scared. Let me tell you, I was scared. And I just said, you know what? Once again, I'm going to go with God. I'm gonna, I took my Bible. I was reading my Bible every day more than ever because it's, it's amazing. I, I, people don't understand. It's a scary thing to go out there and, and do this, and much less for 35,000 people who are just begging to boo you off the stage. They're, they're, Give us a reason. They're like, please. We, oh, we don't like the, the eyeliner you put on. Boo! You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's the other thing. It was an elimination process. So I ended up performing four times, and I made it to the final. At the end, I was like the final three because you get eliminated. So I made it through all the performances till the end. Oh, wow. Oh well And at done. the end, I didn't win, you know, and I felt a little defeated, you know, because of it. But it was a lot of things going on behind it. But at the end of the day... It was an incredible experience, Simon, because I, I got to perform this song called You Can Change the World Yes, that the producer doesn't even know. He told me, I've never written a song like this. It's a spiritual kind of song. It's a, it's a song about deepness, about changing yourself, and, and, may, and that's the, the real start starts inside. When we want to change, it starts inside of ourselves. It was an amazing message, like something not your typical go out there and sing about you know, a girlfriend I had or something, but it was a really deep message. And it was beautiful because I connected with that. I connected. I spent my life as a missionary. Right. But I was scared, you know. And uh, when I left the hotel, Simon, when I left the, the, the last show, I was nobody there. When I came there, I was nobody. I was just some guy that came from the U.S. to, to perform a song. Nobody knew who I was. Simon, when I left the hotel, I was mobbed by about maybe at least three or 400 people, like, mobbed. Wow. It's like something where they were trying to grab me and rip a piece of my clothing off or something. It was something crazy. I would, and I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, for a moment there, I got to feel what it was like to be Elvis Presley or something, if you know what I mean. Like for one moment. Right. Because I don't even think I felt that in, in some of the other things that I had done before. I, I never felt that thing. Like that didn't happen me in the first group that I was signed with or the record deal. This was just something really, for one moment, I really felt what it was like to be like a guy like Elvis Presley or, <laughs> or or any anybody who's in that, you know, where the screaming girls and the... And so amidst all that, it was a very incredible experience for me, even though I didn't win. But I'll tell you a quick testimony, and it, it was amazing. They sent a guy from a record label to chaperone me throughout the whole time. And I, I always carried my Bible in like a cover. I It didn't say like Holy Bible on the outside. It was like a cover, but I was reading my Bible throughout the whole... Even while I was in the dressing room. And this guy, I remember the, he telling me he was an atheist. We talked about religion a little bit. He remember telling me he was an atheist. But he saw, he was with me the whole process. He saw, I mean, some some of these singers that went up there, Simon, would come off the stage crying because they got booed off. But he saw me, the whole process, he saw me go to the end. And he would see me reading my Bible During, before the shows, I would be in my dressing room reading my Bible, like reading the word and getting pumped up and just be like, Lord, I can't do this. You gotta, you gotta get me through this. This is scary. (laughs) You know, you know, right. And at the end of the last show, remember he asked me, he said, what is that book you're reading? I said, it's the Bible. And he looked at me like he's kind of some, and you know, he said something, he said, he said, I'm going to start reading that. That, that book wow I'm, I'm interested in that book he told me and I was blown away I was like oh yeah I was like you should read it it's amazing it's you know and it was like really cool you know so that was a little side note you know that that happened with that whole thing and really listen I, I lost because if you won first prize you also get 30 grand so I, I made it to like technically first second or third place and it was amazing. I, I you know, like I said, four performances. I could have been eliminated on the first. and it w- and the last performance was the most amazing. Somebody threw a heart on the stage, and it was just a beautiful thing. Like it really will go down at one of my most beautiful moments. Yes. And no glory to me. It was all glory to God because, like I said, I was scared and and i got through it and it was so i left victorious i left victorious and then later the producer said to me Praise now God. i can trust you he said now i now i think you're a star and i'm like <laughs> oh, okay really <laughs> you just put me through you know you better believe i'm a star now after that was when came the second group which is just to give you a timeline perspective that was right before Got the record deal of the second one, and then I ended up working at the music store, so that was right before that time.
3: Take a look at yourself to make the world a better place. You've got to make a change, look and don't be so blind. So nothing can happen, you'll see
1: And that was the recording of Jonathan singing You Can Change the World, representing the USA, placing second at the International Song Competition in Chile. And if you watch his performance on YouTube, you'll just be amazed at how huge the crowd was and the poise and the beautiful performance Jonathan gave. You could never guess how nervous he was inside.
0: Nightlights Interview of the Week.
1: And our interview is with Jonathan Fuzesi and Jonathan in the time that we have left maybe you could share why you decided to quit the industrial music scene altogether and transition to what you're doing now
2: you know sometimes you know finding god's will in your life is a process and and you got to look for it and and you know after all this stuff that i that i've done you know just one day it hit me and i just said you know lord from this day forward i'm done I mean, listen, there, remember the verse, render to Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and to God the things which are God's. So what I mean by that is like, you know, I play in the streets, I play top 40 music to survive, to pay the bills, but I made a commitment to the Lord. I'm like, I'm done I'm done pursuing, like, <laughs> you know, just anything that, that doesn't have to do with worshiping y- you. This is all I want to do from now on. And the funny thing is God had already given me this a lot of songs. Right. And they were just sitting on a hard drive. So I was like... I was way behind, you know. I w- I'm just finishing what I should have finished years ago, but that's okay. It's all a process. I'm a wiser man now. I I've been through a lot of things, and 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 I believe that that's what it's all about. You you and even then, it's a battle, Simon. It's still a battle. You know, sometimes to to, to stay focused and and you know and then add on all the cares of this world. You know, we're living in strange times right now. Indeed. You know, it, it, the world has changed in front of our eyes. You know, everything's different.
1: Absolutely.
2: You know, and so we're trying to survive and trying to keep our heads. Up, you know, trying to keep the music going without really any financial backing and stuff, you know, because when you're signed with a record label back in those days, you would get financial backing. There was pros, you know, to to the whole thing, you know, and stuff. Right. So now it's kind of like just doing music by faith, living by faith again. Praise the Lord. But I I changed one thing in my life, Simon, and that was that I made it personal. And what I mean is like this is between me and the Lord. Yes. It has nothing to do with me wanting to be the next big Christian artist or whatever. I'm done with that. It's like I said, I'm done with that. Maybe I could, Simon, you know, maybe I could be the next Marcus Witt or whatever, you know, and maybe I could pursue a a Christian career. I don't know if you realize, but the Christian record market and business is a huge multi million dollar business. I've heard. I could tell you some stories about that too. I've I've sat down with supposed Christian record label executives thinking they were like brothers in the Lord. And I found out they were just businessmen like everybody else, you know? right? And listen, I'm not saying that that if that's what God wants for you in your life, those things will happen. Just like I said before, I did things that I never imagined I would do. Just like I went from being a keyboard salesman to being on an international world tour from one minute to the next. Right? Like I went from being nobody to being on a stage and being mobbed by 400 people from one day to the next. So if God wants that for me, I, that's going to happen, you know, I mean, it's by itself. I mean, but all I'm saying is now the music that I, I got to do this for the Lord. It, it's the main reason. Wow. It's my main purpose. Uh, and Amen. obviously I want to minister, but I want to encourage people if I can do music. I mean, you know, you know, this better than anybody. Music is, is a very powerful thing. You know, everybody loves music. Everybody can get inspired through music and fed through music so that's right yeah I, I just hope that I can be that instrument that that's my dream now my dream that the dreams of fame and fortune have far come and gone and now my dream is of spiritual fortune you know (laughs) super like i said keep it between you and the lord you know and when you do that god will do everything else he wants to do if he wants you to be the next marcus witt you'll be the next marcus that's right if he wants you to just be a lone voice in the wilderness like john the baptist which i don't have a problem with that either i don't mind being a lone voice in the wilderness either right i mean fine if god wants that for me i'm i'm fine but i'll leave you with this simon when i was a child like i said i've always been connected with music my dream Deep down inside, I never started doing music with the idea of I'm going to Start playing guitar so I can be like Elvis Presley. I'm going to start singing so I can be famous. It never crossed in my mind till later on in life when somebody presented it to me and said, Hey, you know, you should do this, you know, because, but it was never my driving force. My driving force was always the love of the art, the love of the music. It was, I would be in school. I remember I was terrible in school mathematics, geometry, because you know why I was always listening into music <laughs> in my head. You know, the teacher would be talking and I'd be thinking about some song I heard today that was like, wow. (laughs) You know, from Phil Collins or or something, you know. But you know what my dream was, Simon? It was to make or be somehow involved in music that when I would listen to, that I I was a part of, that I really felt something. I really liked it. Like when you hear your favorite records, like when you hear, you know, Eric Clapton play or something, you know, because if it doesn't move you, it's not going to move people, if that makes any sense. It's got to move you. That's right. You know, I got three records big record labels and you know i hear all those songs and nothing moves me it's okay it's nice don't get me wrong it's professional it's nice it's well produced it's beautiful it wouldn't have been nominated and made it to number one on billboard you know it's a good quality product and i listen to it and it's nice it's beautiful but it doesn't move me and that's what was always my heart's desire and i'll tell you something since i gave my heart my heart's always been with lord but since i really like i said i made that commitment between me and the lord God's given me that. He's given me the music that moves wow. me. Maybe other people will hear it and it doesn't sound as good as some famous DJ out there that some productions and technology today is so incredible that some productions just sound incredible. I mean, they're recording in these multi-million-dollar facilities, these studios with the most incredible microphones and preamps. You know, there's always this next level thing. But for me, at least I've reached a point where I, I and these songs like, you know, that are coming now, I really feel connected with them Simon. In other words, God gave me what I finally wanted. You know, he gave me the music so when I when I play it, I actually feel I actually feel really like this is it. This is what I always wanted.
3: And even with a broken heart you can go and win the last Even when your world is caving in And nothing's making sense It's never too late to start Even when you're feeling down Cause there's a world that's waiting to be free If you're up It's never too late to start, Even when you're feeling down Cause there's a world
1: forward to hearing much more from Jonathan Facesi on upcoming Nightlight Shows. So that's it for now and I'm already looking forward to being back with you again very soon for another International Nightlight Show. God bless and bye for now.